What Else with Corey Mann on the Studio DNA Podcast Network. One-on-one conversations with some of your favorite artists. Find this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Spreaker.com. What Else with Corey Mann on the Studio DNA Podcast Network. The show that brings you in where the magic happens. Welcome to The Writer's Room. Hello and welcome to Sif Pop Writer's Room. I'm your host Aaron, but not that Aaron, of course. And today I'm joined by Sif Pop Writer and Managing Editor Ben. What's going on, guys? We write for SifPop.com, providing you with movie reviews, best ever challenges, and other interesting movie-related articles. So make sure you check out the website SifPop.com to keep up with those. For our show today, we're going to start off here in the pitch, just now. That's good. We're on schedule so far. After that, we're going to move on to the coming attractions, where we'll be talking about Antebellum, which is going to be streaming on VOD September 18th. And then we're going to move on to, the, to our Sif topic, which we'll be talking about the Kingsman franchise, because the Kingsman was supposed to come out this week, but that's not happening anymore. But we're still going to talk some Kingsman. Uh, we'll explore the B-plot, answering a question that is user-submitted, and we'll wrap up with a spin-off, a quick recommender warning from each one of us. But first, let's get a chance to know our writer managing editor this week. Ben, uh, it's great to have you on again. You are on a once-a-month basis. We talk some comic book movies. It's uh, This is your fourth time on? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, so, it's always a pleasure to be on here, man. Yeah, it's a good time, and I'm uh, really excited, and we've got a chance to kind of talk and, and know you so I don't get to ask you the, the typical questions of how'd you get involved in writing for Sif Pop and all that. Got a chance to pimp your podcast a little bit in this section. Let's let's talk about something not movies for a little bit. Let's talk about hockey. So you're like uh, another hockey fan that I know, you know, and I always love when I can find another hockey fan, especially somebody who doesn't necessarily root for my team, because <laughs> it's really interesting to see that. And so I'm a, I'm a big Blackhawks fan, as as everybody should know by this point. You know, sadly, my team is not in the playoffs anymore. Man, what do you think about the the playoffs this year? Your team was in for a little bit. Yeah, much like you, my team is no longer in. Those couple jerks got knocked out. But you know. I'm a little indifferent at this point, but honestly, I'd like to see the Golden Knights take it. The Golden Knights team is, they're a really, really physical team. I, I like the way that they play hockey. Yeah. And for those of you not familiar with hockey, with hockey the um, uh, the bunch of jerks is the Carolina Hurricanes. Yes. Yes. So, <laughs> which is, they're just a fun team to watch. Uh, they've, they've got some really good players on there and, you know, you're welcome for Tuva Teravainen. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I mean, there's such a good history with there. I mean, Cam Ward being a soon-to-be Hall of Fame goaltender, mm-hmm. um, who also spent some time with the Blackhawks. It is technically la- not last season, but definitely his last season. They they won the Stanley Cup back in 2006 with him, I believe. That's right, yeah. yeah. It's a, you know, Carolina's always just a fun team, especially because like, last season when they just started being like, bottom of the league bad team they just started having fun at the games they started doing the surge they started just whenever time whenever they would you know win on home ice you'd get a little show at the end of the game it was just they had a lot of fun it's fantastic man they're 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 a good team good organization uh the stall brothers play there a lot and it's it's I, i love that team right so what do you think about the nhl playoffs going so far you enjoy watching it I've enjoyed watching it so far. Again, um, Las Vegas Golden Knights are an incredibly physical team. I love the way that they play hockey. I just it's it's been it's been a wild season, to say the least. Dude, it has been a wild season. So for for those of you who don't know, hockey was postponed uh, in March, right around the time the coronavirus got big. Same time the NBA decided to um, postpone the rest of their season. 
But what hockey did is they decided we're not going to finish up the regular season. We're just going to do any team that had a chance of making the playoffs is going to play a qualifying round or just the playoffs in general. So uh, both our teams managed to make, were the, were the Canes in or were they qualifying round? I believe they were in. They were fourth in their division. So they might have been a wild card one, meaning yeah. they were probably already in. We had to play the Edmonton Oilers. And to many people's surprise, we upset them, which it's not a surprise. We are traditionally really good against the Oilers. We're really good at shutting down Connor McDavid. And if you can shut down McDavid, you can do anything. So we so we did that. We And then, unfortunately, we had to go play the Vegas Golden Knights. And nobody knew, nobody had, had any thought that we would ever beat them. And I'm kind of surprised that we at least got one game on there. I mean, historically, before this playoffs, we were 1-9-1 and nine and one against them as a franchise history. So... That's crazy. I'm, I'm kind of pulling for them, too. They just play a little aggressive and sometimes a bit too much. At the, at the end of one of the Blackhawks uh, games, Alex Dabrikit went in for an empty net and got it because Vegas had pulled their goaltender because they were about to lose. And after he had scored, uh, a player slashed his skate and then roughed him up against the boards. Wind up drawing a, a money fine to that. But that's just unsportsmanlike. That's just not... you know. And I get the hockey's rough and all that, but like after the play is stopped, like that's just straight up bullying that's straight up being a sore loser and i would also be happy if tampa bay made it i mean they have a stanley cup winning team and they just haven't been able to put it together for the last couple years so that'll be the magic uh this will be the magic year for him cinderella year who knows anyway so you can catch the nhl playoffs on nbc sports if you're interested in watching some some playoffs uh playoff hockey is always the best hockey we're gonna play a game here. We're gonna play a uh, a little a little game. I I bought a lot of movies recently, and part of that is because we're at the start of the new month, and so kind of my budget has refreshed uh, a little bit. Part of it is just there's been some that I've been wanting to get that kind of hit on sale. It's kind of another element that we'll talk about here in a little bit. But I bought a couple new movies recently, so I'm gonna list these movies, and as I list them, I think it'd be really great if you've seen the movie. You know, say whether you like it or not, and if you haven't seen the movie, then um, you know, obviously kind of say you haven't seen it or and something along those lines so here we go and ben hasn't heard these by the way yet so this is going to be kind of fun and on the cuff go, so let's start off with clue the movie clue the movie i'm gonna go with a neutral on that because i've never seen it yeah neither have i uh enter the dragon enter the dragon i'm gonna go with a yay on that one i think that's a pretty given yes, at this point bruce lee i don't think i've ever seen a bruce lee movie it's a good one to start with. It's a good one to start with. The the fight choreography is 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 good. Bruce Lee is. You understand why so many people revere him and and love him based off of this movie alone. So I'm really excited about that one. Uh, well, I mean, I have seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Does that count as a Bruce Lee movie? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> Hardball. Hardball. Um, funny enough, that was on the BEC last week for best Keanu Reeves movies. It's been a while since I've seen it. I remember liking it. So I'm going to go with a yay. There is a scene in that movie that makes me, I remember that was one of the first movies that ever made me cry. It, it, it's a, I'm going to go with yay. Yeah, I'm going to go with yay. Yeah, I, I saw this a couple of years ago again. I watched it a lot as a kid. It's it's not as great as I remember, but it's still, I think, a bit underrated. Yeah. It's at like a 41% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's like closer to like 60. Yeah. Uh, what about Homefront? This is the uh, James Franco, Jason Statham uh, scrapped Rambo 5 script from like five years ago. I'm going to go with Yay. It's a, it's a fun action movie. I watched it with my dad. <laughs> I saw it when it came out and I was like, I like that. I don't know that I'll ever see it again, but I, I'm kind of itching to see it. Yeah. What about the Michael Bay classic, The Island? The Island, I think, is a very underrated movie. It reminds me of the novel uh, Brave New World, sort of. 
Okay. I, I, I really dig the premise. Uh, I really like Michael Bay's direction in it. The action sequences are terrific. Uh, Ewan McGregor is great. Scarlett Johansson's pretty good. Jaiman Hansu is Jaiman Hansu. He's just great in everything. It's one of Bay's better movies. Okay. Yo, that's, I mean, it doesn't take much to be one of Michael Bay's better movies, but <laughs> I, I like this era Michael Bay. I think The Rock is his best movie, but I have not seen The Island, so it's still up for contention. Yeah. Um, True Romance. That is a great movie. That is a script by Quentin Tarantino, directed by Tony Scott. Yeah, that's a big yay for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like this one too. Um, I'd seen it. I just didn't own it anymore. Freddy versus Jason. Oh, big yay. Big yay. Is, is that is a, a sarcastic big yay or is that an actual legit big yay? That is a legit big yay because I, okay, so here's the thing. I grew up, Freddie and Jason were my two, they were my two guys. Now, is this movie Oscar worthy? Hell no. But it's an incredibly enjoyable slasher fic of two horror icons smashing together. Uh, the ending is a little bit of a cop out, but I still, uh, I still really enjoy this movie. It's a fun, guilty pleasure. Okay, yeah, I, I saw it once in high school, not having seen really any of the Friday the Thirteenth or Nightmare Before Christmas or Nightmare on Elm, Elm Street stuff. <laughs> but I, I quite liked it. I think it's, it's dumb fun, is what it is. Exactly. Uh, JFK. That is one of um, the director um, Oliver Stone. It's one of his better films, so that's a big game. Okay, cool. All right, and then uh, for these last couple, uh, we're gonna get just a little bit serious for a second. Uh, I just I, I wanted to watch any of the Chadwick Boseman movies that I haven't seen uh, because of his passing and because of that being such unfortunate timing. Uh, and I mean, truly, Hollywood lost a legend already. Uh, there's there's no telling what he could have done with his career. Uh, there's no telling where he could have gone. And frankly, it's outstanding that he got so much accomplished when he did. I mean. When you think of Chadwick Boseman, he is the Black Panther. He is the king. He is uh, all these characters that he portrays. And he, he has portrayed so many influential people in terms of, uh, of his performance as well as just in terms of like subject matter. So I don't want to spend a too much time on that, but I did just want to acknowledge that, that that's since we did it last episode because we recorded before his passing. But it's, it's something that's really hard to deal with. I, I still am in disbelief here a week later. It just doesn't, it doesn't seem real. Do you have anything you want to add to that, Ben? Yeah, man. So I'll start off by saying this. You know, there's been three times where I've gotten really emotional when, I, when a celebrity has died. You know, one is, is Carrie Fisher. You know, she grew up. She was my princess in terms of, you know, Star Wars. She was what she did for, for someone like me growing up, you know, seeing a strong woman like that, that was on portrayed on the big screen is, is, you know, that, that, that death really rung true to me. It felt like I was losing a loved one that I knew my entire life. Another celebrity death that affected me was this year was Kobe Bryant. Um, the, the loss of the Mamba, uh, that, gutted me because it's it's again you see this larger than life guy who looked invincible and you know he just died shockingly i remember crying just because it's i grew up with this guy you know he was for people that grew up with in my age bracket he was our michael jordan yep and then this last one with chadwick bozeman it hit closer home to me because my mother is a breast cancer survivor She's 13 years, you know, 
without having any signs of it. But my father is currently battling grade four brain cancer. And, Mm -hmm. you know, every day that I have with him is a blessing and knowing what my dad's going through with that. I know there are two different types of cancer, but knowing what my dad has gone through and seeing that Chadwick Boseman was diagnosed in 2016 with stage three, which eventually progressed into stage four colon cancer, what he was able to do while battling that he's a hero on, in the big screen, but he's a even bigger hero in real life. And it's just incredible. The legacy that he has left behind is something to admire and look up to. And especially with black Panther, what that mean what that movie means not only to the MCU, it's a great movie, but to the, you know, to the American culture as a whole, to people of color as a whole, what that movie means to them. It's, it's, it's a big deal. And it's just, it's such a tragedy, but at the same time, he has left behind a legacy that is legendary. And it's, it's so tragic to see someone go too soon. It's too soon. I, Totally just want to emulate exactly what you said. I, I don't know why, but something feels really different about this one. And I don't know if it's because we didn't know that it was going on and we still had him being Black Panther and things like that. Uh, I, I mean, and nobody, Kevin Feige, Ryan Coogler, Michael B. Jordan, nobody knew yeah. what was going on except for his family. And that's just like insane and crazy. And it, it, it it felt so sudden. It felt so just ridiculous. And uh, I was like, and, and initially I thought it was going to be one of those parody things. Like, you know, there's no way this is actually real. Yeah. And I, and I, I didn't know that your, your dad was, uh, has the, the brain cancer. I'm yeah. sorry to hear that. Well, um, he's battling it every day. So it's, it's, he keeps fighting that good fight and he is staying positive. So that's always good to be positive with battling stuff yeah. like that. Well, he has hopefully a couple, at least a couple dozen new supporters uh, just by this episode today. So, uh, my mom is also a survivor of breast cancer as well. And the other reason I think this one hit me really hard is I have Crohn's disease, and I, not to try to take anything away from Chadwick Boseman um, and his legacy or anything like that. Uh, not to try to, you know, put myself at the center of his story, but I, with Crohn's disease, there is a significantly higher chance of getting colon cancer. And this is the first big celebrity death that has happened like that, especially that has happened for somebody so young. And it's just a reality that I face that honestly, my cause of death is most likely going to be colon cancer, but who, who, who knows when or where that's going to be. And it just kind of put that in reality check. Like I'm 25 right now about to turn 26. Like that very well could be in 18 years or sooner. So it just, it just turned it really real for me and, uh, and, and just, it felt really raw and it felt really, really heavy. But I mean, you're like, like I mentioned, he's, he's already played such greats. I mean, kind of kicking off his career. They did some TV episodes now and then, but I mean, so one of the movies that I got, uh, recently was 42 and I mean, playing Jackie Robinson. I mean, that's, that's iconic. That's legendary out there, especially to do it so well. Yeah. yeah. What do you, th- what do you think about, uh, 42? Now the movie itself I don't think necessarily did Jackie Robinson the true justice I think he deserved. However, Chadwick Boseman is incredible in that movie. Not to say that I don't think the movie is is bad. It's not. I think it's a pretty good movie. But it's 
it's a terrific performance from Chadwick Boseman, and that's why the movie, to me, is better than it has, in my opinion, any right of being. It's 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 a really good movie from Chadwick Boseman. It's his performance that carries it. Yeah, um, I I remember thinking the exact same thing. I remember thinking this is Remember the Titans, uh, but with baseball. Except I think Remember the Titans is a better movie, yeah. but undoubtedly Chadwick Boseman is just terrific in that. Harrison Ford as well. He's he's really great in that. Um, yeah, this is a, this is a good movie. And then uh, another another icon he played uh, James Brown in Get On Up. Did you ever see that one? I did, and that's a terrific movie. He was he's so good in that. That is a very hard job and a hard task to do to be able to to play to to play him. You know that that's such a, an incredibly hard task. But Chadwick Boseman did an incredible job. I haven't seen this yet. I wanted to when it came out, and then I just missed it. Um, it seems to have a pretty high Rotten Tomato score, but not IMDb. And uh, lastly, he played the first Black Supreme Court Justice, uh, Thurgood Thurgood Marshall. And so I bought Marshall. Have you seen that one? I have not seen Marshall, but I've heard good things. I am in the same boat, and I just think that kind of this is the right time for me to see a movie like this for several re- for both uh, Bozeman's unfor- untimely passing and. Um, the, the racial divisions that are going on in the country right now. So so that's it. Sorry to end on a bummer for yay or nay, but, uh, you know, unfortunately, that's just kind of the way that life works. So let's let's kind of transition a little bit. I got one more silly question before we dive into the, the full extent of our show, and that's, uh, man, what are your thoughts on pineapple on pizza? Okay, so I have this pizza that I like that I call the Ben Special, and it has bacon, pepperonis, jalapenos, and pineapple it is absolutely amazing and i enjoy pineapple on pizza okay i i don't think i hate pineapple on pizza i just don't think i'm necessarily also a proponent i'm kind of in the middle ground yeah uh, depends on the pizza obviously no, yeah. i don't like a typical hawaiian but i like pineapple on my barbecue chicken pizza yeah it, um, it's something about the pineapple that cuts the the strength of the flavor and stuff you know what i mean when it becomes sure. too overbearing Sure, and it also depends on where you order from. Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't want Domino's pineapple on my pizza, but that's because I don't want to order Domino's anyway. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I'm actually a little bit more offended with bacon on pizza, uh, which I know you said is on there. I, I think, look, I think pizza is good, and I think bacon is good. I just don't particularly think bacon works well on pizza. How dare you? So how dare you? You know, <laughs> how dare I? Yep. <laughs> I'm just joking, I think man. I think America needs to get over the obsession of putting bacon on everything. Bacon is good. I love bacon. Bacon is not the best food out there. Bacon does not need to be on everything. That I will agree. So, bacon has no place on desserts. However, on any pretty much anything else, it just makes everything else better. For me at least. That's fair. That's fair. Well, on that note, let's move on to talking about Antebellum. This movie comes out on uh, VOD, so you, it was supposed to get a theatrical release. It doesn't sound like it's getting it anymore. It might just be a limited release at this point. Uh, they moved it to a VOD release. It's going to come out September 18th, so that's not this week. That is next week, in case you're checking your release calendar. But we wanted to talk. This movie is is getting talked about, and also next week we already have uh, a movie that we're planning on that I'm planning on talking about with uh, Chantel. Uh, and so we're talking about Antebellum today. The synopsis for this movie, according to IB, is successful author Veronica Henley finds herself trapped in a horrifying reality and must uncover the mind-bending mystery before it's too late. Uh, ben, you kind of did a little bit of your own research about this movie. What do you think about this? If this was going to be released in theaters, pandemics aside, uh, do you think you'd be there opening weekend, catch a matinee, wait for it to be available to rent 
uh, wait till it's on a streaming service you already paid for. He's not interested in seeing this movie. This would have been like a Saturday afternoon movie for me. I don't fully understand what's happening in the trailer, although I think that's sort of the point. It looks like the character or characters are caught between two different times in history, and the film seems to be trying to make a message in regards to that. But the trailer intrigued me enough to want to check it out, like I said, for like a matinee. But in this case, uh, check it out on premium video. Plus, I've I've become quite the fan of horror again recently. So I definitely plan on checking this out. Uh, Gerard Bush and Christ- uh, Christopher uh, Renz are also both relatively new when it comes to theatrical uh, feature-length films. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, so consider me intrigued. I'm probably going to land on the rent-it category. Um, I, I think there's enough in here that intrigues me. I mean, you mentioned it looks like they're kind of the main characters are caught in two different pieces of time. Uh, it, it, it looks um, like it has a relevant message for today mm-hmm. um, and, and about the, the treatment of African-Americans in our country. There's also enough that concerns me about this movie. Uh, and there's no, there's no wow factor to, to at least what I've seen promotion-wise. There's not like any particular standout actor or actress. I mean, Janelle Monet is about the closest that it is. But there's no, you know, there's no like Daniel Kaluuya or Lupita Nyong'o or um, just any like a big actor that's you know going to draw me into this movie uh, like that. And the writer director combo, like you mentioned, they're they're very new to the scene. Um, that that scares me for a movie that's trying to be like this caliber. Yeah. Um, if this was just a straight up horror movie in one or the other times, I would be I'd be totally here for it. I just there's enough about it that I'm like, you know. I, I see a lot of potential, but at the same time, I see a lot of bad potential. And I, what I honestly think is going to happen is that these writer, this writer-director is going to wind up just fumbling a little bit. And either just by the end of the movie, it's not going to make sense, or you're, it's just going to be unsatisfying, or uh, one of a million reasons that's just going to leave a bad taste in my mouth. But I think there's enough here that I'm probably going to base where I'm going to if I'm actually going to see this movie based off of word, or ma- word, of, ma- word of mouth. Mm-hmm. Gosh, that's how you say that phrase. Um, I think I'm going to base this off of word of mouth, but I, I don't think there's anything that kind of pulls me in either direction very strongly. Yeah, it, it definitely is one of those movies you can tell. It's, it's going for a very... Um, I hate using the, this um, this phrase, but elevated horror. It looks, sure. it's, it looks like it's going for that. I hate that phrase, but it looks like that's what it's going for and usually with stuff like that it either pans out really good or it pans out pretty bad i'm intrigued by the premise i don't fully understand what's going on i kind of get a hint of what they're going for but it's going to be one of those movies where i feel like you're going to actually have to sit down and, and watch it before i can really give an honest opinion on what i think the movie will be just because the trailer is so vague it's it's very vague yeah, this uh, I get a lot of like Shyamalan vibes. Did you get that too? A little bit, yeah, a little bit. The kind of when they're showing bits of pieces of this trailer, I mean, it looks very much like certain scenes look straight, like it belongs right in the happening, and certain scenes looks like it right belongs in the village, and certain scenes look looks like it fits right in signs, and so it's kind of like that type of Shyamalan, which isn't necessarily a good thing. I think you get the uh, the right writer director combo on this movie, and I think it could be re- something really special. Um, I just don't know that I've seen anything special and I don't, I don't think I have anything extra to add. Yeah, I, I don't either. Cause again, the trailer is so vague on what the movie's right. about and its premise. It's just a, a feeling I get. 
and I guess maybe they're going for that, going for that mystery, kind of like that Shyamalan thing. There's probably going to be some third act big reveal in it, and guarantee you that third act big, big reveal is going to be why some people love this or hate this movie. So it's going to be one of those films. Very, very divisive, I, I would imagine. Yeah, if this was like going to be just released directly on Netflix or Amazon or Hulu or something like that, or HBO, I think I'd probably be like right there. Um, just checking it out, but since it's going straight to VOD, you're gonna, it's going to be that theater at home, so you're going to have to pay the twenty bucks to rent it for however long they say yeah. uh, until until they eventually decide to release it for sale. Uh, if, if this was going to be something like that, that it's on a on a streaming service, kind of initially, I think I'd go ahead and check it out the weekend it releases on on one of those things, just because and and because I also don't really want to be spoiled since this seems like it's going to have like several big twists throughout it. So I think I think I would go ahead and do that. But I'm I'm just I'm just not interested in paying for this movie yet. And I know I said rent, but like, you know, again, word of mouth is gonna kinda lead me lead me to that way. Like I said, if this is gonna be like a Netflix original like The Five Bloods or Old Guard or something like that, I think I'd be more inclined to want to see it sooner. Yeah. Since neither of us really have anything more to say about that, you know, you can you can decide for yourself uh, how you wa- if you want to check out Antebellum, it'll be on your VOD platforms, so Amazon, Amazon Instant Video, Vudu, Fandango Now, iTunes, things like that, uh, on September eighteenth to rent for twenty bucks. With that in mind, let's move on to the SIF topic. This week we're going to be talking about the Kingsman movies. This is because The King's Man was supposed to come out Friday or Thursday night premieres. It was supposed to come out then. It's been pushed back two or three times. And most recently, because of coronavirus, it's now going to come out in February, which means we're not doing that as our coming attraction. That'll be coming out in February when the movie decides to release. If the world gets better by February, who knows? Uh, But for now, we're still going to talk about Kingsman 1 and 2 since we were already prepped and prepared for that. And since Kingsman... Kingsman decided to delay so late. Plus, you know, who just doesn't want to talk about Kingsman? So here's your warning for spoilers. We're going to be talking about these two movies pretty openly and honestly. And so if if spoilers are something that you care about, uh, then I would recommend you check out these movies before uh, continuing along. If spoilers are something you don't care about or you've already seen these movies, you don't care if we spoil it, then look, stick around. Let's have some fun because these movies are a lot of fun. Uh, the synopsis for this first movie, Kingsman, the Secret Service, is a spy organization recruits a promising street kid into the agency's training program while a global threat emerges from a twisted tech genius. Ben, what do you think about this movie? Do you like it, love it, hate it, dislike it, or think it's just okay? I really, really like it. Uh, in fact, I'm closer to the I love this movie. I've never read uh, the comic, but Matthew Vaughn is such a talented and energetic filmmaker that any project he really dedicates himself to and is intrigued in he interjects with heart fun wit and a creative visual aesthetic that overall makes the film his films feel very entertaining and and rewatchable uh taron egerton as eggsy is fantastic in this in fact i think this was my first exposure to him as an as an actor um and he he just owns the screen as a leading man not to mention He's an incredible actor. Watch, if you don't believe me, watch Rocket Man. He's absolutely amazing in that. Um, yep. Samuel Jackson as uh, Valentine, the villain, is hilarious in here. Um, his role could have easily been really awful on paper, but the way in which they decide to not overuse him is why I think he's so fantastic. Uh, Oscar winner Colin Firth is Harry owns this and what i think is his first action role i believe it is 
Um, he really put in the work in regards to doing his own stunts, and it really shows on the screen, in particular the uh, church scene. Um, and, yeah, we'll talk about the church oh, scene yeah. for sure. Uh, Harry, he's really the heart of this film. Mark Strong continues to be Matthew Vaughn's muse and is excellent as Merlin. The training sequences are very well done and entertaining, in particular the parachute and flooding room sequences. Uh, again, going back to that church scene, it's one of the best choreographed action sequences I've seen in 10 years. It's both parts cartoonish, cartoonish, that's how you say that word, and viscerally yeah. violent while also having one of the best song choices for a scene ever. Like, seriously, I can hear Freebird and uh, like automatically my brain just goes to Kingsman. Um, yeah. The ending goes full on bonkers and leans into the ridiculous nature of the world that it's set up, you know, overall, overall, while, you know, the movie does rely on a few cliches like Harry leaving after Eggsy has messed up to go on a mission. You just know he's not coming back from Arthur training, uh, Arthur turning on the Kingsmen is very predictable. You know, the whole cliche of kid from the wrong side of the track, stepping into higher class to change the world, to make it, you know, for the better, you know, Kingsman Secret Service proves to be a really entertaining love letter to the over-the-top James Bond movies that's both parts charming and creative while also having a good moral message that no matter what or where you come from um, or your past, you can succeed if given the opportunity. Um, yeah. So in short, I really, 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 really enjoy this movie. I think, I think I'm with you. I think I'm in the really liked it category. I'm pretty sure the first time I saw this, I, I think I was a little bit ho- more high on it. I would have probably said I loved it. Yeah. Uh, I, this is one of those movies that it's it's not my go-to it, it, anymore, uh, but it, I could could see it having that potential. Um, I, I think that there's some wasted opportunity here, and I think it doesn't hold up on rewatches as well as it should, uh, given the, the nature and tone of this movie. Uh, so it's, uh, for, for a lot of reasons, this had, was, you know, primed to be like a, like rewatch material for me. And I just, I think I like it a little bit less each time I watch it, but I still really like it. Um, so I'm in the liked it category, not the loved it category anymore. Um, but I still really like this movie. It's still very entertaining. And for, uh, I mean, I really like this movie for a lot of the reasons. I mean, you talked for a while, but still failed to mention Mark Hamill, which is, I mean, just, a, he's in the movie for five minutes, but he's, he's such a joy in that five minutes. It's, it's just a lot of fun. You mentioned Taron Edgerton. Yeah. This was also my first exposure to him. He's terrific. He's great. Um, I had very similar vibes and maybe it's because they're both very similar, like looking and tonal people. Like the, my first exposure to Ansel Elgort was baby driver. And I was immediately like, I love this guy. Here we go. Let's, let's do it. <laughs> Uh, and I felt the same way about Taron Edgerton. I'm like, this is the dude. Here we go. Let's let's see what else he's gonna do. And you're right, he's great in Rocket Man. And yeah, I I would really like to see him in a lot more movies, uh, and especially a lot like more diverse movies because I think Rocket Man showed a lot of his dramatic range, and I, you know, Kingsman shows that he's a pretty capable you know action star. So t- I mean, Taron Edgerton's just absolutely great. I, I do like that a lot of this movie is training. Uh, I, I I like training sequences. I like training montages things like that the problem is that each one of these training sequences has some sort of twist and and so this is kind of what i say that like it it doesn't quite hold up as much as it does or as much as it should because with each of the training montages there's some there's some sort of twist that makes it uh a little a little bit different that makes it a little bit harder that makes it a little bit not what you expected and it's amazing for a first watch but kind of when you see those twists coming it makes it a little bit less special 
And uh, so you, when you find out about the, the flooding of the bedrooms and you find out, you, even later Merlin explains that the, the person that died there uh, was, all, you know, they're set up, they're a Kingsman agent. It's their job to die in that training sequence every time yeah. uh, to prove the point of it's all about teamwork and to get them to start thinking together. Or like the parachute one, it's like, well, they all had parachutes that worked fine. And so we, if you know that's coming, it, it still shot really well. It just kind of takes a little bit of that intensity away. That's one of my favorite lines in that scene, though. After they land, and he goes up, to yeah, him, yeah. He's like, "No, no, no! You have a problem with me? You come up to me and you whisper it in my ear." He goes up to him. You need to take that chip off your shoulder. Pulls the cord. I don't know. I just really like the way that Mark Strong delivers that. Yeah, it's it, it's a funny sequence, and I mean, I saw it coming when I was in the theater. Like as soon as you know, as soon as it was just Exy left without a parachute, like I saw that coming. I just. It, it, it's it's just still just so fun. It's such a funny moment. It makes me laugh every time. But I think, like I said, I like each of these tests. I, I, I do. I mean, the shoot the dog thing is a little overused at this point. You know, kind of, uh, you know, you got to be able to let go of detachments. Yeah. You know, I, I think I think we kind of like get that a lot. And, you know, I, I don't like the idea of dog violence. And I get that no dogs are actually harmed in the movie because it's a blank. And it's just like, obviously, it's a blank. <laughs> Like, Hopefully so. They're not sadistic. Who would who would do that? <laughs> right. Well, and I, like you know, I just feel like I don't know. I feel like this is such an overused trope in spy movies. It's like, I'm, you know, tell me to shoot whatever. I'm probably going to pull the trigger because there's no way there's a real bullet in that gun. <laughs> Let's do it in a movie where it's actually like real. <laughs> right. I saw. Yeah, I want to see something like MacGruber take that on, where they like make him and he just like immediately shoots, and you know, he has to shoot. You know, this isn't a test. No, he's just like just immediately shoots as a real bullet. He's just like, oh, I kind of expected that to be a blank. Like, is, okay, <laughs> that'd be really fun. Right. Um, you mentioned Samuel Jackson. He's fun. I, I think I could take or leave him. Um, I, I I think he's he's good for this role. I like the way this role is. I some I think part of the reason why we like this character is only because Samuel Jackson is there. So I, I think he elevates that a little bit. But he does. I don't know. And I really like the lisp, man. The lisp gets me. I thought it would get tired and worn out, but while I was watching the movie, even last night, I was like, man, this is funny. Yeah, yeah. I, I also feel like I could pretty much take or leave anybody uh, in this movie. The the exceptions being Taron Egerton and Colin Firth, which you both mentioned, and Sophia Botella. Man, this is her big on screen. We haven't talked about her just yet. Yeah. This is her big introduction, and I mean, unfortunately, the rest of her career has been less than stellar. Uh, but man, this is this is just really original, really creative, a very interesting. She's a better villain than Valentine. She's really cool. I, I like her. Her personality isn't there. She's a very like the thing with Sophia Patella. She's an incredibly well gifted physical actress. I don't think she's ever been yep. really given the the opportunity or the role that'll you know help her shine through on on in terms of her being like a like aside from her being like a physical actress, like a really good like thespian actress, like given the role, like really meaty, juicy role. I guess the biggest one she's been given with a lot of dialogue has been. Uh, Star Trek uh, Beyond. Star Trek Beyond. Yeah. yeah, and I really enjoyed her in that. So, yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah a couple other notes. Michael Caine. He's he's doing nothing in this movie, uh, but his his twist is you're you're absolutely right. Very predictable. Very. Uh, but it's also really bold that the movie would choose to go in this direction because this is starting very intentionally trying to start a franchise, and you're going to take an A-lister in Michael Caine. And the head of your organization and make it be this twist where he's branded a bad guy and killed by the end of the movie. You know, that's 
Uh, you don't cast Michael Caine for yeah. small, unimportant roles, but apparently they did. And the way that XE <laughs> handles and kills him is super cliche and obvious, you know, with the switching of the whiskey glasses. It's just like, as no, soon as no the way camera, that works. Yeah, as soon as the camera pans up out of his view, you just know, okay, he switched the, he switched the glasses. Yeah. Well, and for somebody that's head of an organization like Kingsman, presumably has a ton of exp- field experience, there's absolutely no way that works. Almost a better way that that would have played out is if XE didn't do anything, and Michael, and as Michael Caine turned back around, he switched the glasses, like, I know exactly what you were up to. And then the twist being that he didn't actually switch the glasses because he saw that coming. I mean, that would have been a better twist, a better reveal, but as, as it stands, it's no way that Al- uh, Arthur would fall for that. And also, yeah, bold that they would kill air quotes harry so soon i mean i really thought he was I mean, he does stay dead for the rest of the movie but that was like i was just like oh okay but i really liked him and he's a lot of fun he's maybe my favorite character of the movie yeah. it's the classic you're kind of setting up a franchise it's like, the classic kill the mentor uh role uh, mentors yeah. usually don't make it out of spy movies i just didn't see it coming though very, it's like, very sudden in the movie. It's very sudden. I I saw it coming when I initially saw it, but when it happened, I was like, "Oh no, they did it like that." <laughs> I saw the kidnap the mentor, and you got to rescue the mentor coming, uh, not the kill the mentor, especially with him. I mean, he does get to see it happen, but yeah. barely. <laughs> but the the scene leading up to his death is yeah, man. Oh my god, man. I can't, again, I cannot listen to Freebird and not think of that sequence. It's just, they chose the perfect song for that sequence. It, it is amazing. The scene itself is as energetic as that song is and as fast paced. I just, if, it feels like the choreography is moving along to the beat of the music and it really just flows so well. Sure. Like it's, it's so well done. Yeah. I, when's the last time you had that much fun in a movie theater? Oh, like either since that moment or like before that moment. Since that moment, um, I mean, there's been quite a few times, you know, Avengers, uh, Portal sequence, Avengers Infinity War sequence. I love, you know, the last fight in Aquaman when Ben Solo gets the lightsaber and Rise of Skywalker, and of course the warehouse fight scene in Batman v Superman. But this scene is up there with him in terms of choreography and song choice. You know, this might beat a couple of those. Sure. Yeah, well, and a lot, but a lot of the moments you also mentioned, I mean, aside from Aquaman, they're like big and a lot of times like slow motion, things like that. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're terrific and otherwise, but like this scene goes on forever. It's, it's mostly a one take. Uh, it's not completely, there are a couple cuts, you know, where they go back and forth, but it's, and they're not even like, you know, disguised or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, like the, your, the song choice is excellent. You're right. I just, I get giddy and I can't help but smile. And of course it's kicked off by, it's kicked off by that amazing line delivery of yeah i'm a, I'm a catholic whore currently enjoying congress out of wedlock with my black jewish boyfriend who works <laughs> at a military abortion clinic hail satan and have a lovely afternoon madam and it's just like when that happens first of all i was just like oh also that's hilarious <laughs> and then it just, and it just kicks off this uh, you know he, he kind of stands up and walks to the back finally once you can compose yourself after that moment the the trigger goes off and it's just like Oh, oh, this is happening. Oh, okay. And and just you, you see him just go off on everybody. And it's so creative. Some of the ways that uh that, that there are kills. It feels like a John Wick scene in yeah. in that movie. It really does. What's what's your favorite shot 
from that sequence. Um, I know for me, it's when he takes the guy and throws him into the church pew and you just see his head <laughs> snap back. And it's like, oh God, it's so graphic. And then he explodes because he puts the grenade in there. <laughs> so me and my wife both have an Achilles heel for, uh, for action movies. And that's when you see a character run out of bullets and recognize it and instantly just throw the gun. It's it's our Achilles heel. Both it gets us both every time. Uh, she she just loves it. She's just like, yes, use whatever you can as a weapon. But to me, it's just, especially in Kingsman, it's done in such a comedic way. You know, he pulls up a gun next to somebody that's about to attack, and they both kind of realize, oh, he didn't have a bullet, and so just okay, it just throws the gun. It's 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 simple, but that gets me every time. Stabs the guy with the 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 uh, grip of it, like the bottom half. Yeah, yeah. Oh god. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That 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 scene is something special. That's the best scene. For, spoiler: That's the best scene of this whole franchise, and I, nothing will ever top it. It's it's so well done. Well, it's so unexpected too, and the way that it it hit, like it's just it's it's so well done. Plus, it's kind of cathartic because it's making fun of what's that church in Kentucky, Westboro Baptist, or something like that. Yeah, they're very deliberately yeah. kind of playing Westboro Baptist. Yeah, there. Westboro Baptist, which is pretty cathartic. <laughs> Right. I'm going to go ahead and say I think that's probably the best action, at least my favorite action scene of the last decade. Hey. This is a 2013 movie. I Look, I, there's, pro- there's probably some that mean a little bit more to me emotionally. There's probably some that I think are a little bit more epic in scale, specifically in Infinity War and Endgame. But, man, I've, I haven't had that much fun, I don't think. Man, that's special. Yeah, can't blame you, man. That's, that's a great choice. That's a great choice. And you mentioned the ending, kind of choosing to take the ridiculous route. I think that's the right way to go. It fits tonally, you know, with all the heads popping, and you get the confetti, and it's it's just a good time. Uh, it's it's a lot of fun. I, I'm really like interested in seeing that take as opposed to it. Kind of has its serious moments leading up to oh, it. Yeah. But I watched this. Uh, my wife hadn't seen it since it came out. We watched these maybe a month ago, so she didn't remember hardly anything about it. But as soon as like they started popping, you could see like the fireworks. She just giggled for about you know six straight minutes and was just like, I don't, I love that this is happening and it's like it's 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 fun, it's creative, it, you know, it's colorful, which is really good. You know, last time you were on, we talked about the Birds of Prey scene yeah. and the Prison Breakout. Like, it, it obviously that's to a lesser extent, but it's just that kind of fun. There is a lot that's cliche about this movie, um, and, and that is definitely shown even for the first view, but. It's uh, it's really meta without being in your face. Yeah. Like it's as meta as Deadpool, but it's obviously not as in your face yeah. as Deadpool. Doesn't break the fourth um, wall. Yeah, yeah, but like you, you have the scenes uh, where you know with uh, Colin Firth and uh, and uh, Valentine sitting across the table eating McDonald's, and they're very clearly describing their roles in the situation. It's like everybody knows what's going on. Paying homage, um, and you know, you meant those later Bond films before Daniel Craig took over. You know, when it, it's it's yeah, yeah, man. I want to see Matthew Vaughn take on a Bond movie, like <laughs> with whoever the next Bond is going to be. I man, I, he's my front runner. <laughs> it, it it would uh, I I would definitely love to. It would be interesting. I, I it would be interesting. I, I hesitate to say I would love it, but it would be very very interesting to see his take on. Uh, the spy we all love. Yeah, cool. Uh, I don't have any more thoughts about it. Do you? No, that that is that is pretty much it, man. Yeah, I mean, it's seven year old movie. We kind of got to digest uh, a, a lot about it. It's, it's a lot of fun, though. It's it just is. It's, I mean, even in the opening sequence, all that. It's very uh, rewatchable. It's incredibly rewatchable, and it's one of uh, my wife and I's favorite movie to just turn on. 
It's 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 a good movie. A I good feel flick. like this is probably a better background watch. I, f- I feel like I'd rather turn this on in the background and you know do vacuuming and mopping and chores around the house than than sit down and necessarily just actively watch it with my wife. But um, yeah, I could see that too. Yeah. Well, with that in mind, let's move on to Kingsman: The Golden Circle. This came out in 2017, so three years later. After the Kingsman headquarters uh, are destroyed and the world is held hostage, an allied spy organization in the United States is discovered. These two elite secret organizations must band together to defeat a common enemy. All right, here's the magic question. This man, this this movie is a little bit divisive among fans, uh, mm-hmm. especially fans well fans that aren't don't hold the original in such high regard. Ben. Kingsman Golden Circle, do you like this movie, love it, hate it, dislike it, or think it's just okay? I really, really, really like this movie. Similar to the first one. So you're like equal? They are very equal to me. Um, They're very, very equal to me. You know, the first Kingsman is a little goofy. It's a little goofy, but I think that's what adds to the charm of it. The Golden Circle, it doubles down on that goofiness and dials it up to 11. Mm. This movie, it's bonkers. It's bonkers, and it holds nothing back. The first one is like the appetizer. This is just like the full-course meal of Goofy. It's it's loud, okay. has twice the action, um, has one of my favorite opening action scenes with a great tune in the background. Again, another thing that this film has with great... These films have is great music, and it's Let's Go Crazy by the late, great Prince. Um, mm. I love the addition of the statesman to this movie and the possibilities that brings to the world, which I would really love to have a spinoff following uh, Channing Tatum's tequila. <laughs> that would be <laughs> so awesome. Um, the cast is massive in this with the likes of Channing yeah, yeah, Tatum, yeah. Pedro Pascal, Oscar winner, Halle Berry, Oscar winner and Oscar winner, Jeff Bridges joining the cast and really delivering in their roles respectively. You know, and speaking of really delivering, Oscar winner, winner Julianne Moore is having the time of her life playing the main villain, Poppy. She's so over the top in the best way possible. And her plan kind of makes sense in the in the world that Kingsman is in. Um, I love the decision to bring back Carrie, and it, it pays off in a wonderful way. Um, again, just the action is, is just so entertaining. It's just as entertaining as the first, but really, again, goes balls to the wall with the sequences being longer and overall larger. Uh, in, in particular, yeah. the action sequence at the end, which I love, by the way, you know, and all that being said to me, Merlin, um, who is Mark Strong's character, steals the show, uh, in this movie as well as every appearance by Elton John. (laughs) Merlin is the heart of this movie and seeing the character meet his end in uh, such a heroic fashion is, is both sad and satisfying. And Elton John, who originally I thought was just going to be a cameo in this movie has a full blown part to himself. Like he's playing himself. He's a large part in this movie and it's hilarious how well he's incorporated into this movie um you think he's done and no he pops back up it's just it's it's really well done um but i do see you know do i see how this could have rubbed some the wrong way sure but for me it worked um my only real issues with this film is sometimes the robots can be a bit much and 
the double cross done by Whiskey, which is Pedro Pascal's character, feels tacked on and not earned. It's just a, a double cross put there just to have one, and I I don't like it, and particularly because I love that character, and that character meets a, a bloody end. <laughs> um, other than that, though, Kingman, Kingsman, uh, the Golden Circle, really doubles down on the goofy, the fun, and furthers... Um, creates a world worth exploring, um, and I and obviously we'll we'll get to see a prequel in the next coming months. So I, I'm really excited for it. Yeah, you ready for this? Ben? I'm ready for it. I love this movie. <laughs> I'm in the loved it category. Right. Uh, when I when I left the theaters, I was in the this is okay category. But for many of the reasons you listed, uh, this movie has grown substantially with each wa- with each rewatch. Uh, and this movie also um, is more rewatchable, in my opinion, than the first Kingsman. I do prefer the, the Golden Circle more than the Secret Service at this point. So there, there it is. I love this movie. It's, it's <laughs> it, a lot of the things that you said that like could bother somebody in the theater exactly bothered me. Uh, I walked that going. It felt a little long, and there's a lot of decisions that are made that I don't think quite work as well. This is obvious sequel and spinoff bait with the with the with the um, the statesman. Mm-hmm. There are certain characters like I, you want a tequila spinoff, and I don't particularly like tequila. I <laughs> uh, still don't particularly, uh, but I do want to see a statesman spinoff for sure. I'm here for that 100. Also, the the ending seems to take forever. It's um, very long. The first time I saw it, and those problems are all still there, but it's just so much dang fun. And, I mean, and that's that's really what it comes down to. It shocked me to no end, even though it's practically been given away in the trailers, when five minutes into the movie, they kill everybody. And like, e- like even Roxy. Like, I thought Roxy would have been involved because she's such a big part of the first one. Yeah. Kind of wanted to see more more Eggsy and Roxy. And I, I don't know if it was a contract dispute or if it was she had a different role and did, and had a scheduling conflict or if it was just simply to where they wanted the story go to go. But I, I mean, I think they had good chemistry in the first movie. I mean, it was a platonic chemistry, not a romantic one. And I think that worked really well, but they killed her off like 10, 15 minutes of the movie. And it's just like, I don't know that I like that part, you know, and, and they, and they kill, uh, his, his, uh, his friend Brandon, cause he's kind of house sitting and, and the dog, um, and the freaking dog, exactly. <laughs> like, it really puts me in a state of awe. It's like, okay, they went there, and especially in the theater, I was like, cool. I'm in for the, I'm, I'm in for the dark take that this movie's gonna go because all of a sudden, you done messed up, Aaron, <laughs> and it, like, we're gonna, we just gonna see some crap at the fan. And I mean, it's both lighter and darker, and and it's such, it's so interesting compared to the first one because the first one's fairly monotonous the whole way through. But this one really has darker moments, and it has a lot of lighter moments too. And it's really good at putting some light moments in the dark moments. Uh, I think maybe my favorite scene in this movie is where it's just Merlin and Eggsy, and they go down to the cellar to, to for the emergency backup protocol, and it's just a bottle of whiskey. It's fantastic. <laughs> and and they're just like, well, what should we do? He's like, should we drink it? It's like, sure, let's drink it. <laughs> And then they're like complaining that it's bourbon, not scotch, the whole time. <laughs> but they're also like, "Sure, just pour me more." They go through the whole pot. What's funny about it is they're like, "Let's drink to our brothers and sisters who are the fallen," you know. And then they ha- they take one drink. And they're like, "We should do one for uh, Roxy." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do let's do one for Roxy. <laughs> and then it just keeps on going and going and going until they again, like you said, they drink the whole bottle, and Merlin's just sitting there crying. Yeah. It's my fault. <laughs> 
Right, right, right. Um, <laughs> you mentioned Julianne Moore. She's having fun. I'm totally here for it. This is maybe my favorite performance of her career. Really? There's something. I don't. I mean, I I like her. I don't think I've been terribly too much exposed to her, but she is she is having fun, and it shows. Yeah. Like you can tell. Like this is this wasn't just like a, oh let's just cast somebody and they'll just. Do. She is having fun with this role, and it just it shows. You mentioned you mentioned the plan. Uh, it seems smart. It seems realistic. It seems like it would work. All those kind of caveated by in this universe. Yeah. Uh, it makes sense for the Kingsman universe, and it's it's kind of fun, and it leads to some really interesting situations. I mean, uh, Bruce Greenwood playing the, playing the president as he does in every movie, yeah. <laughs> and uh, he he's even a little fun in this movie. He's not the serious president like you always get, you know, uh, in seven and eight hundred movies or whatever how many times he's played the president, but you know you could see him like you know they they do the broadcast and he's like well that's over like we're just gonna let all the junkies die and we have beat the war on drugs yeah. and it's like that's also like i could see people responding that way i see this and, as a win-win yeah <laughs> <laughs> but going back to julianne Moore, i mean she's over the top and it's and it's perfect she's just having a lot of fun i mean the idea that she has her own poppy land out in the middle of columbia off the grid no it the the robot dogs are a bit much. Um, that's kind of my one. That's my biggest knock against this movie. Uh, the, the the two robot dogs. It leads to some good moments, uh, specifically uh, that they're targeted to not attack Elton John. And so you know the one time that they're really about to corner Xy, and all of a sudden you just see Elton John's big smiling face peer. <laughs> he starts playing Rocket Man. Right. <laughs> I died last night because I forgot about that part in the movie, <laughs> and I watched this movie last night. And when that happened, I died. I just I lost it. I thought it was it's so fun. So funny. <laughs> uh, I I I think Elton John makes this movie especially fun. Um, I mean, it's, there's this one interaction in the movie. There's a couple. Elton John is maybe my favorite character in this movie. Uh, not second. I take that back. Merlin, which I'll talk a little bit more about Merlin later. But yeah, Elton John's the most second best character in this movie to me. Uh, and it's nothing taken away from Taron Edgerton or Jeff Bridges or Halle Berry or or, any, or anybody else. We so far I even ha- even have to haven't talked about Harry coming back yet, but but there's two interactions that I love, and the first one is when they're kind of showing the effects of the of the blue, uh, whatever it is that they've laced all the drugs with, and you can kind of see you know there's there's people that are just about to die, and you see Elton John, and immediately he just like screams like ah yo, yeah. <laughs> and just like sits back down and pouts for a little He's bit. He's telling the other uh, guy to get out, get out of my room. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and the other interaction is he's up on stage and he's playing piano and Poppy's being a little sassy with him. She's she's like leading Angel through the process. <laughs> uh, and and she's and she's just like, Ellen, oh, what are you going to play for? She's like, F you, Poppy. <laughs> and she's like, oh, no, F you, Elton. And it's just, it's, it's just. A How about what he, he looks at the screen? Looks at like the screen as he's kick, jumping, jumping, kicking the other guy. You're just like what in, in, in his world? big feathery Elton John. While costume. wearing the peacock outfit, it's yeah. it's so awesome. Um, I do I do have one more negative about this movie, and that is I don't buy into the conflict that Eggsy and the princess are having at all. It feels forced. It doesn't feel inspired. Uh, it just almost feels like we need to get Eggsy personally involved in this somehow. How are we going to do that? Well, you know. Let's let's say that they had a really bad conversation, and all of a sudden she's paralyzed, and you know it just I don't 
but I do love the dinner scene. I think that one's a really good scene. The dinner really scene is scene. great. I, I love the interaction with him and uh, with Ro- yeah, him yeah. and Roxy. It's uh, it's terrific because she really it shows how strong their friendship is. She's helping him out on this date, and she knows that he has yeah. to impress him. It's 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 really really well, great. It's really well done. I will say to um, the princess and uh, Exy's relationship, the scene that makes their relationship like veer off toward the bad. There's something about that. Say, I it's icky. It's very icky. Yeah, that. like watching the hand go down, where the fingers going, and all that stuff. It's very. Uh, yeah. There's something about it. It's very icky. Like, I don't know why. Like me and my wife were talking about it. Like after we watched it, we're like, you know, we've seen worse stuff in movies. We have, but there's something sure. about that that is just very. It's very graphic. <laughs> it's very graphic. It's super graphic without actually being all that graphic. Exactly. And- exactly. Yeah, you. I think "icky" is a good way to describe <laughs> it, and I. I think I could have done without it. You're yeah. right. Yeah, and, and to kind of build off what you were talking about, the dinner scene where you could definitely see his and Roxy relationship going really well. Then all of a sudden, Brandon joins in on the conversation, and he's like pointing at the princess's dad, and he just goes, "No, put that down." And it's just a fun <laughs> kind of happenstance. I love the statement statesman stuff. I could really go for a spinoff. I know I've mentioned that. I love the chemistry between Merlin and Ginger Ale. I'm sad that we're not going to get any more of that. It's very unfortunate. Um, but I also like how the way that they've set up the statesman and the way they've set up the universe. Uh, we'll talk about Harry now. I'm happy that they brought back Harry because I liked him as a character. I was initially kind of like, eh. But I, I'm more happy that they brought him back in a way that actually makes sense. I mean, there's there's several different factors in that. One of them being... The statesmen are located in Kentucky, not too far from the church where he died. Uh, the the second is that they saw the pings because the cell phone's coming on, and so they are coming in kind of right after everything happens. And it's like it, it it's it's believable to me, and you know it's believable to me also kind of the way they've set up this universe that this company that is just like the Kingsmen but has a lot more money because they make bourbon in America. Um, <laughs> that they have this technology as well. And it's like, sure, it's ridiculous and outlandish, but you're in a freaking Kingsman movie. Like, okay. So I just thought that that was like a, I was happy that they actually tried to explain. It's almost like, you know, we, we talked about Palm Springs two months ago yeah. uh, for the coming attraction. We get to talk about it. Like they actually try to explain what's going on and how it's working. And it's just like, I really appreciate that they did it. Even if the science doesn't necessarily hold up, which it doesn't say what but you it want. works. Exactly. This also just feels more like a comic book movie, and it's better for it. Um, the first one almost feels like, you know, maybe took the story or something or the characters. Uh, but this one really feels like a comic book. Yeah, it really, um, really does. I'm sad to see Merlin go. Uh, the whole last sequence is really fun. Uh, one of my fa- my favorite sequence from the end is the uh, he has the, the 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 briefcase machine gun, and there's like a donut rolling on its side, and he's just kind of like moving along for the donut mm-hmm. hole. That's great. My favorite part from the uh, from the end because that again I, I love that the ending it goes on for forever. Yeah. But one of my my favorite parts of that sequence is the fight between uh, Exy and the fallen Kingsman who didn't make it past. Yeah. We thought he had with the robot. Yeah, arm. with the robot arm. When he says, "All right, let's make it fair," and Exy puts the arm behind his back. There's just something like really cool about watching that. It's it's. Really well done. 
Yeah, I agree. Um, I could have I could have left that character when I saw it in the theater. I wasn't making the connection of who that even was. It didn't super connect with me from the start. But also, just in general, I feel like he's just a little extra, and like he's he's just one more component to this already pretty stacked movie. Yeah, um, this movie has a lot of moving parts. Yeah, uh, I'm sad to see Merlin go. Like I really am because we've talked about how great Mark Strong is in this role and the way he goes. You know, after you know sacrificing to take the landmine and then drawing everybody in by just screaming country roads and it's so awesome it's just i could hear mark strong sing country road all the time take me home this was this was one of three movies in 2017 that used country roads as a plot device mm-hmm. you remember the other two are i know one of them it's one of my favorite films that year logan lucky that's right uh, i mean it's not that's not necessarily a plot device but it's definitely a character connection point it's used really Channing well in that movie in both as well. those movies that's right. The third movie that uses it actually as a plot device is Alien Covenant. Because, ah, yes, uh, it does. They pick up on Country Roads Take Me Home as kind of the, the homing beacon that Michael Fassbender is sending out. So that was one of three movies used it. This one uses it better than any of the other two. I mean, when Logan Lucky uses it, I get a little emotional because at the talent show where the little girl kind of brings everybody together. I mean, it's a little emotional, but... Somehow, this grown this grown bald man screaming "Country Road," stepping on the landmine, it, st- it still gets me. It's the uh, way that it shot, it's still yeah. And seeing Eggy's Eggy's eh, can't say that word Eggy's reaction. Well, and it's also you're right. The way it's shot, you kind of see him look over to each person, give them a nod, like a uh, "This is the way." Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, this is the way. And uh, and and also the orchestra music behind it kind of gets me. I, I don't notice the music at all in the first movie other than the soundtrack pieces. The score is really good in the second yeah. one. I, I think the movie doesn't feel as long as a whole on rewatches. Um, so that's not as much of a knock for me anymore. And I, I liked how Pedro Pascal's character actually had some depth and revelations to it, but I'm just, I'm just over double, tro- double crosses. I, I think the, you know, I don't think every spy movie needs to have double crosses and I'm just kind of over them. And you already had it with Arthur in the first one. And it's just I could have gone I could have gone without it like you know I, I take Pedro Pascal's character and make everything about him the same but beside the statesman agent and I'm I'm here for it but make him Angel instead and kind of just combine those two characters. I it really sucks because I I hate that I really like that character and they decided to tack on a twist you know a double cross and I, again it didn't yeah. really feel earned it kind of happens at the end of the second act where they hint at it. There's nothing leading up to it that makes him like a malevolent character or anything like that. Sure. It, it just, it feels like they just wanted to have another fight scene. Um, and it's a great fight scene, but I hated the way that it went down, especially because I really like that character. And I would have loved to have seen him do like Channing Tatum, Pedro Pascal, whiskey and tequila teaming up, doing some stuff, you know, that would have been really cool. Well, and it causes some other issues as well. Uh, I mean, first and foremost being if whiskey is part of the golden circle, that means Poppy knows about him, which means she should have also destroyed them when she destroyed the Kingsman and all the other agencies. Exactly. And, and so that just kind of doesn't compute in my head as well. I think the movie thought it was just smarter than its own good because the we finally have believed. Uh, Harry is always skeptical about whiskey, but we finally kind of believe, okay, no, we're kind of over that. And then it's like, oh, no, it turns out Harry was right. And it was just like... I, I think the movie thought that it shifted our focus away from that, but it just it just didn't. And yeah. maybe maybe he was in it for his own good because remember he did lose his high school sweetheart right. to drugs, so he just wants the world to be rid of drugs. 
You know, he's kind of in in it for his own cause, kind of like a gray area kind of character. Maybe Poppy didn't know about him, but regardless of that, like I still I hate it. I, I don't like it. Sure, sure. Um, the the last note I have about this movie is that it was initially uh, four hours long. The initial cut was four hours long. Uh, this movie's two and a half hours long. I definitely can see kind of where they cut. I, I bet you there was more with the uh, with the Charlie character. The um, the guy with the robot arm. I bet you there was more there. Um, I like to think there was a lot more in that first kind of half hour, especially with Exy and uh, Roxy. Uh, I'd like to see. I'd like to think there's a little more there. I'd like to see, think there's a little more time between when uh, when they meet Harry again versus when he's better. I like to think that Tequila maybe is a little bit more involved in the movie somehow, other than immediately going in a coma. Yeah, I see um, a couple great action sequences with him, and then he goes into a coma. You see him dance in his underwear at one point in time. Yeah, so uh, I believe that this was initially a four-hour movie, and I am almost a little bit sad that we don't get it, at least as of this point yet. But maybe they'll do that to kind of hype up either a Statesman spinoff or Kingsman 3. The Matthew Vaughn has said that the, the King's Man prequel is supposed to set up a Kingsman 3, hmm. which which I think will be really interesting to see how he does that. But that make, that gives me hope, because when this movie was getting close to release, they announced a Kingsman 3, I think even a Kingsman 4, kind of like they did Amazing Spider-Man, yeah. you know, when they did, before 2 came out, they announced a 3 and a 4. I think they did that as well as they announced a Statesman spinoff uh, no, no, they did. They did three: the King's Man and the Statesman spinoff. So two, a prequel, a spinoff, and a sequel. They announced kind of all that before this release, and then I think they just realized they did a lot, and this movie was not well received. It wasn't well received, and box office wise, it 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 had the about the same outcome. Right, and they want that upward trajectory if they're doing a sequel. So yeah. It gives me hope that they're still going to continue this universe, especially because I just didn't know if they were planning on doing Kingsman 3 anymore. And from my understanding, it sounds like it will kind of conclude the at least Harry's arc. Yeah. From what Colin Firth has said in the past is that kind of at least Harry's character will be yeah. over after 3. And I'd be fine if they just wanted to keep it like an original trilogy, the prequel, and give me, give me like a Statesman movie. I mean, not every franchise has to continue yeah. and not every franchise has to make its own cinematic universe but yeah you give me five king uh kingsman universe movies and yeah i'd spin it off into doing like a a, a statesman trilogy or something like that maybe matthew vaughn doesn't want to direct it he can produce and write it or something like that i know matthew vaughn is someone who's had his hands in a, in a lot of pies you know whether it's the x-men world you know he did kick ass he did this there was rumors back in the day of him doing uh a Superman film, which would have been interesting. Yep. He, he's a very talented filmmaker. When I, when I think of Matthew Vaughn, I think he's the guy that directed the modern day princess bride in um, stardust. Yeah. I'd even like to maybe see Statesman as like a, as like a mini series or a T or a TV show. Like I could see that, especially working, you know, make it a half hour comedy instead of like an hour long action movie. Like we might expect uh, that might be pretty fun. I mean, I think I'd probably prefer a movie as opposed yeah. to that or a trilogy or something. I feel like this would fit better uh, on a uh, on a movie format versus a TV format. I think if any of these could work better as a TV, it would be the Statesman. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, he has options. Um, you know, kind of like how John Wick is expanding to the Continental being a TV show and all that. Man, I, I kind of want, I really kind of want to see that four-hour cut. Sometimes directors are like Nolan and they're like, you know, the theatrical cut is the director's cut. But I mean, I'm, I think Matthew Vaughn has done 
some extended cuts before, things like that. At least he's been involved with. You know, he, he only produced Days of Future Past, which then later released the Rogue Cut. But I don't. I see no reason why he'd be opposed, other than it's probably not finished. Yeah, maybe um, not. But that that would be fun if it was finished, and you get like a director's cut re uh, re release, kind of like leading up to a Kingsman sequel. I'd feel content if this is kind of where it ended. I just don't want to see it end because these movies are just so fun. They're a lot of fun, and we've so far we've only gotten two, or you know we're gonna get the prequel here soon, and I think what February. Uh yeah, February now. Yeah getting the, the, the prequel in February. So I, I would love to see this world continue. Uh, the, the, just These movies are so much fun and goofy and sure. violent, but also playful and fun at the same time. It, it, sure. And there are beautiful homages to the goofy nature of the Roger Moore era of Bond films. I just, I really like this franchise and, I would like to see it continue and I would not mind a Statesman, you know, spinoff featuring um, Channing Tatum returning Jeff Bridges, you know, that and Halle Berry returning. It just, it would, it would be wonderful to see that. Yeah. um, I got to add one stipulation to my, I want to see more of this. I want to see more of this as long as Matthew Bond returns. That's kind of it. I mean, cause I think, I think there's something special about the properties that he does. Yeah. X-Men First Class, even in some ways, doesn't super feel like a Matthew Vaughn movie. I think he had somebody, one or two other people writing the screenplay with him. But, I mean, even la- like Layer Cake feels like a Matthew Vaughn movie. That's just fun. Uh, and, and, you know, I think of I think of Kick-Ass as well. But he passed on Kick-Ass too. Like, passed on Days of Future Past to do The Kingsman as well. Which, man, that would have been really interesting to see Days of Future Past directed, directed by Matthew Vaughn. But... I, I think that there it goes to show something when he sets up a universe or a property and then you get sequels and Days of Future Past is the exception because I still really like that movie but I mean there's a significant dip in quality from Kick-Ass to Kick-Ass 2 and I even like Kick-Ass 2 yeah, which we'll talk about that. at some point. There's something about the um, way that he directs films that makes them regardless of sometimes their serious nature like a Kick-Ass which could be very very dark he has a playful nature with it that makes those movies, you know, rewatchable in high school. Kick-Ass was one of the most rewatched movies for me. I just really enjoyed watching it. X-Men first class might be my favorite X-Men movie aside from Logan. It's just, it's, it's a very, very well done movie. I know originally he has said in an interview that he wanted to do first class then another one and then days of future past, but the studio wanted to go ahead and do days of future past. So he kind of stepped away. Yeah. Yeah. He wanted to do first class and then apocalypse and then days of future past. But then the studio, as soon as they heard days of future past, they're like, Oh yeah, we want to do that. Yeah. And I would love to see Matthew Vaughn's trilogy, especially given how Apocalypse turned out. But I'm sure we'll talk about that at some point in a different episode. Ben, do you have any other thoughts to say about either Kingsman movies? I I am all tapped out. I just think that these movies are both incredibly fun, highly rewatchable, and if you've never seen them, you know, it's a good way to spend a a Saturday night. It really is. I watched both back-to-back last night and, and had a wonderful time. So highly recommend. High side of really liked it. Yep. I'll agree with you there. Sweet. Uh, well, we got uh, two quick segments for you for the uh, the rest of this 
this episode. So what we're going to be doing is we're going to move on to the B plot. Uh, this is a question from Joseph. So I mentioned the last two episodes. Uh, I've taken this question. I've adapted it to mean a couple different things because I feel like uh, he kind of intended it to be two parts as well as I feel like you could really interpret this to be a lot of things. You could really break it down, get pretty specific. And so um, two weeks ago, I talked with Robert uh, about uh, actually we decided to we will talk about in a, here in a couple of weeks, real stories that we want to see um adapted into like biographies and things like that um and and last week with alice we talked about uh remakes that we would actually like to see which was a lot of fun doing that with her and so ben what we're going to do um is we're going to talk about any adaptations that we'd like to see um so books stage plays video games things like that we're going to try to avoid remakes and we're going to try to avoid like a tv show to a movie or things like that um so anything that has not yet been adapted for the big screen is kind of what the way that we're going into this and so um i've got a couple if you don't mind if i can start um so i want to mention these right off the top but i don't want to talk at all in depth about them because they are in development and that's kind of why i wanted to go and then i'll talk about some that aren't in development at all i want to see this dear evan hansen movie that's coming out i think that an adaptation for this will be great especially as while ben platt is still young enough to take this role uh, a Mean Girls musical, which is also in development because the musical is terrific, um, and I'm very excited for that. The Book of Mormon, same thing, um, in development. Want the original cast? I love this this stage. I want to be able to watch it more without paying a hundred dollars a ticket. Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six. That is my favorite fiction book of all time. It's a great book. It's so special to me, and it is in development. Um, with Michael B. Jordan playing John Clark. So after Without Remorse comes out, this one's supposed to, which there's a lot of story in between the two. But either way, I want Rainbow Six um, and uh, and Splinter Cell, which is has been in development for about 15 years now. So I honestly don't know that this movie's ever getting made, but this is just it's just a good um, spy thing. So I just wanted to talk about those uh, Splinter Cell, the video game from Tom Clancy's idea. Uh, if you if you weren't aware. So I just wanted to briefly mention those since those are all in development. So Ben, why don't you actually kick us off with uh, if you had ones that you wanted to mention in development briefly or uh, or if you just have one that's kind of fits the category. All right, I have four, uh, two are video games, two are books. I'll start off with the video games adaptations that I'd like to see. One is Bioshock. This has been in development before. Um, I don't think it is currently. But I do know uh, Gore Verbinski was supposed to do it. You know, he's the director of The Ring. He's also the director of the Pirates of the Caribbean trilogy. I think he could definitely bring something very unique and you know bring out the horror element in Bioshock, which would have been really cool. I just think that that's a crazy world that I'd love to see, like especially on an IMAX screen. Uh, dude, I'm totally here for a Bioshock movie. Uh, that'd be sweet, especially like I feel like Shape of Water is practically a Bioshock movie, at least like in tone and in visual. Like right? see, to see Guillermo del Toro do it, I mean that'd be that great. would be really awesome. I have four as well. I want to I want to see a Hamilton film, and I know that there is the Hamilton musical film. I want I want to see a not recorded on stage. I loved the recorded on stage. I want to see um, different sets. Um, actors being able to do more i i want to see essentially the the 2012 is done for hamilton that would be really awesome i still i still need to see that i know it's on disney plus i've been meaning to watch it i still haven't i have no excuses you know i just i still i i, I need to watch it sure another one i have here is halo 
Now this has been in, you know, development hell for a very long time. Um, this was originally supposed to be directed by Peter Jackson. Then he decided to say, no, I'm just going to produce and Neil Blomkamp or Bloomkamp, however you say his last name, um, was the one, the director he wanted to direct it, but the studio didn't have faith in him. So he stepped out and now it's kind of just in limbo. No one's touched it, but I believe this is a huge world that could really be explored, um, thoroughly. Um, and I, I would really, really love to see it in particular, you know, maybe not four and, 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 and five in terms of the video games, but I'd love to see the first three, um, be adapted to the big screen. Sure. Yeah. I, I'm totally with you. I love Halo. Um, uh, even, you, even if it wasn't necessarily Master Chief's story, I think if you did, uh, something along the lines of like the ODST or the, I, I, I love the Reach story. I think yeah. Reach might be my my favorite video game in the halo franchise, but uh, I'm with you there. Um, they are developing a halo TV series with uh, Pablo Schreiber playing uh, master chief. That's supposed to come on showtime next year. Ooh. So the movie has been effectively Canceled. stopped talking about. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Steven Spielberg is going to produce the movie too, or the TV series too, okay. which I think is, makes it in good hands. He's, I don't think he's directing it. Um, it's somebody that I can't remember their name right now, but uh, I'm very excited for that. I might have to pick up Showtime just for just for Halo. Yeah. Depending on how that looks when the first trailer comes out, I'll probably be uh, snagging up uh, a Showtime subscription. <laughs> right. Well, and they've tried to do stuff like that before. Like they had a with kind of with the release of Halo Four, they also had a or maybe it's Halo Five. They also had like a very brief mini series, like a yeah, a mini series starring uh, Mike Coulter, the Luke Cage. Yeah. Um, which I didn't see, but I don't think it was very well received. Yeah, I, I didn't check it out either. I remember seeing it preview a couple times in the theaters before the previews. It was kind of like the ads before the trailers. Sure. I'm going to give you another video game. Uh, ben, have you ever played Quantum Break? I have never played it. Man, this game's good. Uh, it's pretty cheap now because it's only single player. This is a good story. Um, and this is like innovative for video games. So the way that this game was set up is that you play a level, and then they have 40-minute like TV episodes that you watch in between, uh, in between, in between playing a new mission. And, uh, they had three main cast members that like are recognizable faces. So the main character is, uh, um, I can't remember his name off the top of my head and that's going to bug me later, but that's fine. <laughs> um, he, he's the main character and, um, there's another like person that's kind of in that realm and it's Lance Reddick who I know we talked about in the, when I talked John Wick on your movie yeah. podcast um he's the hotel manager for the continental um he's he's in this as well and uh and then aiden gillen Littlefinger from game of thrones is the is one of the villains of this movie um it this does a lot of interesting things specifically with the way that you could use time uh as as your ally so essentially you get caught in this like quantum tunnel reactor thing and all of a sudden you can control elements of time and so, like, you can, like, freeze time around a person and then, you know, shoot a bunch of bullets at him and then they'll get stopped. And so immediately, like, once that time bubble expires in, like, 10 seconds, he'll have six bullets immediately kind of in him that weren't there a second ago um, in his world. It sounds like so, it would be a lot um, of fun to play. It's really fun to play. Uh, it's it's a pretty decent length story. Uh, it has a lot of replay value. I liked it. It's an Xbox Xbox PC exclusive. I'll have to check it out then. Um, I have one that honestly I asked my wife cause she reads a lot more than I do. 
Um, she's a okay. professor of uh, professional communications, writing, and rhetorical theory. So she's a very, very good reader. <laughs> um, she recommended the Unwind book series. It's a book series about um, harvesting of the body parts of teenagers. It's kind of a YA novel. Um, that's really all I know about it. Um, but the plot sounded intriguing enough for me to go, huh, I could see that being a successful film series, especially since it's YA, you know, which is sometimes yeah. hit and miss when, you know, translated to the big screen, but sometimes it could be very good, like a Harry Potter yeah. or like a Hunger Games. So, yeah, that story reminds me of a book I had to read from middle school. One of those, like, you have to read a book over the summer yeah. and we're going to test you on it when you come back. Uh, it's called House of the Scorpions. It is a YA novel where there's this old dude that essentially was cloning himself. And when the clone got old enough, he would harvest his organs to replace like his heart or his liver or his lungs or something like that. So the, the guy could keep living. Sounds similar to that. I, I would check that out based off of that. Yeah, It's also process. off of the yay or nay segment that we did earlier. It's kind of similar to the island. I don't know anything about the island. So okay. for people that do disregard everything gonna, I just said. They're going to know that. <laughs> it's part of the plot of the movie. It's not really a huge movie. Sure. I'm going to talk about To Kill a Mockingbird. Now, I know that this has been a movie before, uh, but I, I want a, a movie. And, and I think I think the Gregory Peck movie is, is terrific. What I want is currently Aaron Sorkin has written his own stage adaptation, and that's playing on stages right now. And I want to see To Kill a Mockingbird written by Aaron Sorkin, like really bad. That sounds very good. Um yeah, in the in the right circumstances, uh, Aaron Sorkin dialogue is amazing. So, yeah, I, I, I that that is well, something I would definitely love to see. Well, and you're also talking about the king of courtroom drama yeah. with a few good men. Like, come on, no brainer. Can't handle the truth, man. Uh, I got one more, and that is a book I'm sure that many of you have read um, from the author of The Kite Runner, A Thousand Splendid Sons. Uh, this is a book that I read in high school and have read since, and it is a beautiful book. And it's about two people growing up in the, in the Middle East, and one of them is 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 forced into a a forced marriage, an arranged marriage, and what that's like growing up in that time. And it's a, a heartbreaking story, a gut wrenching story, but also ultimately an incredible sweet story. Um, and I would mm. love to see it translated on the big screen. Sure. Hey, I'll watch anything you recommend to me. So, yeah, I'd check that yeah. out. I've got one more. It's one more video game. Uh, but it, this is also this is a video game that was uh, that was based off of a book. So it's it's kind of both. I want to see a Metro 2033 movie. Uh, ben, have you played this game? You say Metro 23? It's Metro 2033. 2033? I've never played it. Okay. There's Metro 2033, and then there's Metro Last Light uh, was the sequel to that. Uh, they were both released on last-gen consoles, and then this gen's console was Metro Exodus. I love this story. So the story revolves around your main character is Artyom, and he is uh, he lives in Moscow. Uh, but what has happened is there has been a nuclear holocaust, and so everything above the surface is radioactive. So you have radioactive creatures, uh, you have... You know, only you can only be on the surface in special conditions for certain times. In some areas, it's still completely inhabitable, and uh, and so they live in underground in this metro. Uh, this this whole community of people. Um, so so think like Snowpiercer, but nuclear holocaust instead of Ice Age. 
there's a lot of interesting elements that I don't I don't want to ruin for people. There's some really interesting twists. This the the video games are all terrific, and I haven't read the book yet, but I bought the book because the video games are so terrific, and I want to dive into them. Um, there is, the book is also hard to find. It's a little bit harder to find because it was published by a Russian author, and so. But you can get your hands on it. I think I bought it through eBay. I might have to get my hands on that. That actually sounds really, really interesting, especially because you said Snowpiercer, which is uh, my, my favorite movie about Bong Joon-ho. So. Mm. I watched it for the first time a couple months ago. I really loved it. That's true. Cool. Well, let's uh, one more segment here. We got the spinoff. So, Ben, what is one thing in the pop culture world that you want to tell everybody to watch or to avoid? All righty. I am a very positive guy, so I'm going to try to recommend something that I like. And I would like to, or in this case, love. And I'd like to recommend The Way Back. I I know this didn't come out that long ago, but I I feel like this film doesn't quite get the recognition it deserves due to the fact that this came out when the pandemic was really hitting hard. I mean, it's still hitting hard, but when it was very, very, very new, this movie, it's really a powerful and moving film about loss, tragedy and overcoming addiction. Ben Affleck gives a career best and still, in my opinion, the best performance of 2020 uh, and a performance that really hit close to home for him. Uh, This could have easily fallen into the normal cliches of sports dramas but it does a great job avoiding that by being more of a character study um, than your typical sports drama. Uh, I really can't recommend this movie enough. It's it's absolutely terrific. I like that movie as well. I, I think you're right. Ben Affleck is giving a great performance. It's the best of the year so far. And what I really appreciate about that movie is that it's a sports movie, but it's not actually about sports. And so I was expecting something along the same lines of Glory Road or Coach Carter, where it's going to be just essentially that outline. Yeah just a little different. And I was pleasantly surprised that it wasn't. Yeah. If it, if it moves your needle anyway, uh, the director that directed the way back also did miracle best sports movies ever made. So, and uh, don't forget warrior. Oh, that's right. Warrior. Yep. I love me some warrior. Oh, yeah, it's a great movie. Tom Hardy. He's a monster in that movie. That's right. I wrote about warrior for the BEC challenge. The other week. We did. It was a terrific piece. I might add. Oh, thanks. Uh, I want to talk about some music. Uh, and before I, uh, yeah, I want to I want to do this uh, super light recommend. Um, I've been watching America's Got Talent. There's a guy on there that's performing right now. Um, he will have performed three times by the time this episode comes out. He's performed twice by the time we're recording this. Uh, his name is Brandon Leak, and you should just YouTube Brandon Leak and see the two things that he's done on AGT. I'm trying to refrain from watching the rest of it because I want whatever he does on AGT to be fresh and original to me. Um, they he, he's a he's a poet. It's it's spoken word. Uh, normally this is not my thing. He is powerful. He's a great, you should go YouTube Brandon Leak. Uh, but I want to talk about some music for my official, uh, spinoff this week. Um, I don't normally talk about music because, um, I, I like music and, and, and all that, but there's usually something else that I'm more eager to talk about. Uh, but, but not this week. Um, just because I, I'm, I'm in love with what I'm currently listening to and, a lot of times too recently I've just been listening just to podcasts so I don't really get around to music and or even new music for that matter but um I want to talk about Grandson. Grandson is uh is a relatively new artist that I am in love with and Ben I'm pretty sure you've heard Grandson before you just don't know it. My first exposure to Grandson was he has uh, this song called Blood Dash Dash Water um which is his best song if you want a good intro to to grandson check out blood and then your backslash backslash water 
Um, but if you just search Grand Sun and Spotify or anything like that, like that's a good intro. I was first exposed to that because it's on the NHL 19 soundtrack. And it's my favorite song off that soundtrack. It's a really, really, really good song. I love it. It's hard to describe what genre. I was about to ask you what genre. It's it's kind of a mixture of like alternative rock. It's got kind of like a grunge feel to it, but it's not actually grunge like Nirvana or anything like that. It's got a little bit of techno into it. He's not any one particular genre. He's kind of a conglomeration of all of them. I think it's more like a personal like almost where you can't really pin. Put, put him in one category because he does so many things. I think I can kind of push Post Malone into primarily hip hop and R&B and, you know, pop just in general. Like I think I can kind of box him in there, but I think that there's, there's so much variety with in individual songs, as well as just kind of spread okay. out. Uh, I'd probably mostly label grandson in, I have him in my alternative playlist because that's, I think where he fits in the best. Um, ben, I think you have heard a song from him before because it, he did the song that James Gunn picked to play with the Suicide Squad trailer at DC Okay, Daniel. yeah, yeah, I've heard it. That's a that's a good song. <laughs> it's a, it's a lot of fun. That song is called Oh No. It's really good. Uh, that's one of his newer releases. I, what I what part of the thing that I also love about Grandson, he doesn't release at least yet traditionally. I mean, he releases like albums that are EPs. So he releases like five song albums like frequently. And it kind of gets those sent out as opposed to like, we're going to put on an album every year or two and it's going to be 10 or 12 tracks. It's like, nah, I'm just going to release five tracks because I have five tracks yeah. and, and they're all going to be great. And it's, it's really good. So uh, kind of your intro, uh, check out Ono uh, by him, but check out Blood, Blood Water first. Despicable is great. Six o'clock. Uh, there's a lot. He's also, uh, some of his more recent stuff has been more politically charged, uh, which I, I'm for. He he feels like a modern day Rage Against the Machine, which I love Rage Against the Machine. Great band. So some of his stuff is a little bit more politically charged, so so kind of be aware of that, but he's not in your face about it. And at the very at the very least, he's got some fat pieces. <laughs> so So yeah, so I would check out Grandson. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely gonna have to check that out because I'm, I'm a bit of a music connoisseur. So I'll, I'll have to, I'll have to check it out. Okay. If you're a connoisseur of all types of music, you can get all of them in one. <laughs> so, cause he even has like one or two songs. He doesn't have much country in a lot of his songs, but he has some songs that kind of fit in the country category, like, uh, like destroy me and bury me face down. It's just like, I can't put him in a box. <laughs> there is no box. Those are the best artists to listen to, man. I, you know, I love when an artist gets creative and, you know, they, one, one song's a rap song. The next song is a rock song. The next song is, yeah. you know, an R&B song. The next song's a pop song. I just, I, I yeah. love it when artists can diversify what they do so people can't label them and put them in a certain category. Man, then you're going to love Hamilton. <laughs> Fantastic. I, I keep hearing that I'm going to love Hamilton and I promise I'll watch it and I'll, I'll put up a little blurb on my Instagram okay. about it when I, when I do, I just haven't gotten around to it yet. Cool. Well, that's a wrap. Quick reminder that Sif Hop Riders Room is part of the Studio DNA Network. You can check out other great shows at studiodna.media or searching Studio DNA in your podcast feed. If you're interested in writing for SifPop.com or you want to get in contact with us, maybe send us a question to explore during the B-plot, then you can email us at writersroom at SifPop.com. There should be a quick link for there in 
for you there in the description of this episode. You can also get in contact with Ben if you want to write for the show, uh, which he'll give some of his contacts here in just a second. Uh, if you want to support the show, how about with some costs that we pay out of pockets, just fees, equipments, and rentals, you can Venmo me at Schweitcastle, or you can email writersroomatsimpop.com, and I will send you the PayPal address that you should send that to. Um, and please don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes, especially if you're listening there. You have no idea how much that actually helps out the show. Uh, if you're on Letterboxd, go ahead and search at Schweitcastle, or you can search Sif Pop or Sif Pop Writers Room, and you can find me in the member section there since that's in my bio. Uh, check out on, on a lot of my movie opinions that aren't so long. Uh, but Ben, where can people find you? Where can people continue this conversation and bug you to watch Hamilton? <laughs> um, listeners can find me over at uh, Ben Davis Movie Podcast each Sunday, where uh, this next Sunday, or um, this past week actually, I dropped two episodes back-to-back because I missed a week. And also on Instagram at Ben Davis Movie Podcast, where I post reviews and blurbs on more up-to-date releases. Um, you can find me on Twitter at John underscore Benjamin underscore, where you can bug me to watch Hamilton. <laughs> awesome. Hey, well, as always, it's such a treat having you on. Um, yeah, man. It's, it's a great time. It's always a blast being on here. You know, thank you so much. It's, it's, it's really a pleasure. It really is. Good. Well, hey, we'll have you back in a month. We're going to talk about the 1994 classic, The Crow. So, uh, so if you're listening to this, you're trying to keep ahead of the game out of the crow to your list. If you haven't seen it and we, Ben and I will be talking about that in a month, uh, and we'll have a great show for you then. But until then, you know, we got to get back to the writer's room. 